intros. Well, thanks for the applause. Um, I don't think I have gotten applause like that since I was uh, tap dancing penguin in um, primary school. Um, so, you know, uh, those are the days. You know, you like you kind of like never think about um, how much. It is not even. I don't write these on the notes. Normally, I write my jokes at the start just to make sure I do them. Uh, but like, you, you never really appreciate like how much as a kid people come to just watch the things you're doing. Like, you know, like your parents just have to be there to hear your band perform, which is like so like it's just such a bad band. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, um, nice to be here with you all this evening. Uh, it's lovely and warm inside. Hi to those on Zoom. Um, we miss you here. Um, um, yeah, I just have a few thoughts um, that have been bubbling up um, for a while. Um, and so this is kind of the first part of a two-part um, sermon series that is just both me. Um, Holly was like, what's the sermon series? I'm like, it's just me speaking for two weeks. <laughs> and then she made fun of me. Um, so um, but uh, so we're going to do half this week and half the other week. That's how a two-part series works. Um, uh, last, last three months, last four months, um, have felt this challenge from God, um, this question that's just been nagging at the back of my mind. And it's just this question that's basically, it's quite a, it's quite a normal question, but um, it's also quite a challenging question. It's, do you actually believe that the gospel is good news? Do you actually believe that the gospel is good news to all people? And I guess um, with that came a sense, a general sense that there is, and perhaps myself, it came from myself, maybe I'm projecting, um, but this general sense and belief that maybe we have kind of lost the belief in the potency of the gospel, lost the belief in the, belief in the power of the gospel and it being good news to everyone. Um, yeah, and so, um, so this challenge has come with a bit of a time, um, yeah, of just pondering and praying over it, and it has been a parallel challenge from God um, that came um, with a challenge of um, kind of evangelism in a way, a challenge to share, um, share the gospel more widely. What does that look like to share the gospel more widely, widely? And I guess there's an inherent link here, right? If we don't actually believe the gospel is actually good news, then it's actually disingenuous for us to want to share it, right? Um, at the best of times, I am an average evangelist for Christ, um, but at all times, I am an incredible evangelist for Frank's Coffee, um, which is now now where I work. If people don't know, so please come see me um, Thursday morning shifts. Um, um, <laughs> yep. Jacob will be there. I um I was I did my first trial shift and I did I forgot to turn the toaster on, um and Jacob came in. He was the first person to order a um a scone for me, um and I gave Jacob a cold scone. Just did toast it. I uh, didn't know that the toaster wasn't on. Took it off the thing. Gave it to Jacob, and um and yeah and, and Jacob had his cold scone there. And just didn't tell me until afterwards. <laughs> it didn't tell anyone. And I was like, Hey Jacob, was your scone cold? He was like, Yeah. I was like, You just sat there with cold scone. Anyway, um, that's what friends do. Um, it's also off script. This is gonna be a long sermon. It's right. Um, um. Anyway, this may seem cliche, and maybe it's because um. If I, even if I, yeah, maybe it's because that even if I believe um, Jesus Christ is good news for me, do I actually believe that Jesus Christ is good news for everyone? So yeah, prayfully asked, what is this? What does this mean? Is th what is the good news of the gospel? What is the good news of the gospel for me, um, for my family, for my friends, for the neighbors, for the person I met down the road? And in praying about this, I was kind of asking, what makes us salt and light to the world today? What makes us different? What makes us shine? Um in this age we live in. And because I, I kind of have this belief, I think, that the gospel is good news in 
different times in different ways. Like it's always the same. The gospel is always the same. But I think in different ages, um, different things get emphasized because we just need to emphasize those things, and that's what we bring in that particular time. And through the search, I felt God emphasized two things in the season. And this is not exclusive list, um, but just two things that God's highlighted to me, and I really wanted to share with you guys about it. And that's what this two-part series is. And the two aspects is hope and grace. Um, so this week, I'm going to share on hope. Next week, I'm going to share on grace. Everyone with me so far? All good? Cool. Turns out I'm a bit nervous. Um, I don't normally get nervous while I speak, but um, yeah, today I am. So bear with me. Um, so let's begin with a definition, because I was a lawyer. Um, always start with a definition. Um, a definition for Christian hope. Um, last year at camp, I spoke on hope. Turns out it's becoming a topic of mine. Um, but a definition of hope I gave was to contrast it with um, optimism, which is often a word we conflate or we confuse. And what I defined it as is optimism is seeing what the best outcome is in the circumstances. So looking at the circumstances around us and saying, what is the best outcome we can achieve from this? But hope, at least biblical hope, it seems, is saying that we're not focused on the circumstances. It is that we, despite no evidence, despite any evidence, that things will be better because we choose to hope anyway, because God has promised us. Hope is the belief that God will fulfill her promises, however improbable or impossible that might seem at the time. As Henri Nouan so beautifully describes, our hope is not founded on some naive optimism, but rather in the hope of salvation, which is where I want to begin. Um, which is my first point, which is that our hope is grounded in Christ and what he has done, is doing, and will do in the future. Our hope is grounded in Christ and what he has done, is doing, and will do in the future. This is a simple yet thoroughly important point. The, the rest of the sermon doesn't matter, so um, if you don't agree with me on this one, um, you can kind of close the book, um, so to speak. You can I guess don't leave, uh, but uh, something else good might happen. Um, Christ, through his birth, death, ministry, resurrection, has given us hope. We have hope even when we see sin and death in the current world because we are followers of Christ here. Um, as followers of Christ here have witnessed the resurrection power of Jesus, the restorative power of Jesus Christ. Revelations 21.5 proclaims this promise. Behold, I am making a new thing. Um, behold, I am making all things new. And so our hope is grounded on um, three dimensions, past, present, and future. We have this hope because of what Christ has done, Christ's life, death, and resurrection, what Christ is doing, um, what Christ is doing to restore all things right now in the present, and finally, what Christ will do. This is a future hope of restoration, that Christ is returning, Christ is coming back to restore all things as promised. And this has been a particular interest of mine. Um, I've been reading a little bit around this. I, I really, um, kind of, it's kind of the brand was like a theology of hope. And it sounded really good. So I was like, this sounds nice to read. Um, and, and, and this is by this guy called Jürgen Moltmann, um, a writer and a theologian, who beautifully, um, who beautifully advocates for this eschatological view of hope, which means end times hope. hope. Um, it is a hope that all things, eventually, all things will be made new in Christ, be renewed in Christ. And that Christian hope is one that is predicated, one that is hinged on the yearning, on the desire for Christ to come again and restore and make all things new. So we keep our eyes on the future hope that is Christ's return, and that gives us strength in the here and now. So we're not hopeful because of naive optimism, 
as Maltman says, we are hopeful because even though we see a deep discomfort, in fact, he says we should feel deep, deep, deep discomfort at the sin and death. We know Christ is coming again to change and to change things, to renew things, to bring about his kingdom. And so that's where we ground our hope. As Psalm 62 says, yes, my soul find rest in God, my hope come from him. So that's kind of the groundwork. Um, a bit of theology there, unfortunately. Sorry if you um, zoned out. Um, it gets better, um, I hope. Um, and so you might say, okay, all well, good. Um, we have hope grounded in Jesus and the future restoration. Um, what does that mean for us today? And, and I guess I believe that um, Christian hope is um, both disworldly and otherworldly in the sense that we can look to Jesus and say it's a future hope and it's a past hope of salvation. But it actually has real implications in the here and now. There's a present hope um, for God's restoration that is happening now. 1 Peter 3 describes Christ um, in his mercy, his great mercy is giving us a living hope, right? A living hope, a hope that is living. Um, and so it is, a, it is to be a renewing work. So when we look to hope of God, it's to say that we are both renewing it in our personal lives, there's a renewal in our personal lives, um, the renewing sanctification of our own lives, and in a wider sense, in a societal sense, seeking justice. But here's the important part, right? I think if we work out of a Christian posture of hope, so a Christian posture of hope that makes a look at the world and say what, what needs renewing in this world, that it looks markedly different from the current cultural climate. And the current cultural posture that I have seen and that I, um, that I yeah, I, I see, is one of cynicism, of nihilism, of pessimism that permeates our cultural moment. And I think Christian hope stands in contrast of that. And so that's point two, and this is probably the most important point, that hope is a countercultural and radical posture. Hope is a countercultural and radical posture. Because if you look around us, there's actually very little reason for optimism. The, the planet's decaying, there's, the, there's horrible effects of the ongoing colonizing systems, our political systems are failing us, there's war, horrible state of inequity in the world, and so on and so forth, right? There's, there's not a lot of good reason for optimism, right? And it's no wonder... I think it'd be disingenuous to not feel, to feel optimistic in this time, right? Like, if you look around you, um, there is a cynicism, an outlook, that cynicism and a pessimism that permeates our culture. Um, an example I have is from um, the movie Don't Look Up. Have, has anyone seen Don't Look Up? Yeah, horrible movie. Um, absolutely, I, I, it's just bad. Um, but basically, Don't Look Up is a, meant to be a satire on our response to climate change. I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it, so. Don't say it. That's <laughs> fair. Um, I actually am gonna spoil it. It's not a great movie, so I'm gonna. You know what? Um, I'm gonna save you the trouble. Of all. I I watched it with Holly's family, and I sat there the entire time just sulking, being like, I'm not watching this movie. <laughs> like I'm halfway through. That was really bad. Um, um, it's got good reviews on IMDb. Anyway, um, the film. Basically, it's filmed throughout it as a hopeless film. All the nations fail to cooperate together. The film effectively ends with the destruction of Earth by a meteor, and um, it saves a select few rich people who also don't live. Um, and so, it's, if it's a commentary on how the world is going, um, it's not very hopeful. It's, if anything, it's entirely hopeless. And I think this is where the gospel, and this is what's been sitting heavy on my heart, is I think this is where the gospel is truly good news in this day and age that the hope of the gospel is an antidote to the hopelessness of our world. The hope of a gospel is an antidote to the hopelessness of our world. 
It is countercultural. It is a radical posture that we as Christians can adopt. I guess the question I ask is, what would it look like if the distinctive thing that people knew about Christians, the distinctive thing that people knew about people who follow Christ, is that we are a people of hope? What would it look like? And I think it's precisely because Christian hope is grounded on our salvation, which is already something that has been won by Christ, a past promise and a future promise of the restoration, the future restoration. This is how it ties in. Um, it's because we ground that in something that's already happened and something that is promised to come that we can hold to this hope despite all the circumstances around us. And I guess this has been made particularly obvious to me in kind of my, my previous life as a lawyer. Um, I'm still going to rely on these stories until I get new stories, you know, um, so bear with me. Um, I, I worked in um, the Waitangi Tribunal, as some of you guys know, um, as a lawyer, and before that I worked um, and specialized in refugee law. That was where my honors and master's stuff were in, um, and, and, and also worked in the field. Um, but in these, um, I witnessed this immense brokenness and, and also beauty at times. But I remember just in both areas, seeing my friends, my colleagues, and myself weighed down by just kind of the, the brokenness of that, the systemic brokenness of these places. And it would have been so easy for me, and I did, <laughs> and so easy for me and others to turn to cynicism, to pessimism, to say all things are broken, nothing's ever going to be fixed. Um, in, in refugee law, there's a thing they call compassion fatigue. Um, and, and one of the ways this comes about is that you're so tied with the system, that you've dealt with the system so many times, that you're so tired, too tired to be compassionate anymore. It's a real, yeah, it's a real thing that lawyers will talk about. And however, through all this, I just had to remember and keep returning to God and to say that Christ was going to restore things, to hold to the hope that Christ will restore all things and is restoring all things here and now. I think this is the good news of the gospel. We're called to be people of hope in a hopeless world, light in a darkness. This is our radical, this is our countercultural posture. So point one, our hope is grounded in Christ and what he has done, is doing, and will do in the future. And point two, hope is a countercultural, a radical posture. I'll take a break. Thanks. It's kind of dramatic pause, but also I'm very thirsty. Um, um, finally, um, hope um, is the belief in a restoration that works in the big picture, right? I've talked about kind of restoration of our planet, um, the relationships, the hope we have for that, but also of the small. There's hope that is a restoration in each individual person, which I think leads to point three. The, the hope of Christ is good news for everyone. The hope of Christ is good news for everyone. And in, in this kind of, like, yeah, in this mulling and this thinking of hope, I just have this sense that I truly believe that if we emphasize and we emphasize in ourselves the hope of the gospel and we begin to see how it is good news for everyone, we begin to see how good it's good news for everyone, not just the people in this room, not just the people who are already, um, yeah, folded into the whānau of Christ. So if you despair about the state of the planet, our political systems, then this is good news. God is working with us. God is restoring all things here and now and will has promised that God will restore all things in the future. God is uprooting unjust structures. 
Jesus Christ's good news for the poor, release for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, liberty for those who are oppressed. This is good news for all people. But it is also the hope of restoration of individual lives. And I find this particularly powerful to remember. Um, a few of us play handball down in Cuba Street, as you may know, on Wednesday nights, 9.30, 11 p.m. Come on down. Um, it's good fun. Um, except when it's cold like this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice, but it's, yeah, it's cold. Um, and one particular, one particular conversation I've had this year just sits so deeply in my memory and, and, and actually just, like, I think it's kind of, like, found its nest in the corner there and I don't think it's going to leave anytime soon. But I sat with someone who's just, um, in my conversation with them, just felt just, just that this person had lost all sense of hope that they've lived such a difficult life, such terrible things have happened. Um, but as they recounted their story, um, all I could think of was the hopelessness from which um, that came from. And um, yeah, and this kind of has prompted like months of prayer for this person. But, but here's the thing. I, I think in that situation, it can be so easy to just go, oh, I guess this is the trajectory for this person. Or I guess this is just what it is. But here's the thing. I really believe that if we believe that the gospel that we have is a gospel of hope, then the hope of restoration is good news for them, is good news for me, is good news for all of you. That Christ's promise is that all things will be restored. And so I can pray, I can pray and hope with the knowledge that Christ is restoring and redeeming all things. So my three points for the evening. Point one, our hope is grounded in Christ what he has done, what he's doing, and what he would do in the future. Point two, hope is countercultural. It is a radical posture. And point three, the hope of Christ is good news for everyone. So I guess this evening, as we enter worship, um, invite Ty and crew up. Um, yeah, just my prayer is that you, um, yeah, are able to see this radical hope that Christ has, um, a hope that stands out brightly, I hope that stands out, um, yeah, amongst the, the cultural climate that we have that tell us that, yeah, things aren't going to be good. But Christ has promised restoration. Christ has promised renewal. And I think that's great news.